What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Clip and Roll. Another episode of Clip and Roll, I should say. I'm your host, Justin Russo. I'm Farbot Essenshar. We hope everyone's been doing well. Um, This is our first podcast since the Clippers came back from the All-Star break. They've played six games. They've gone four and two, which is actually pretty solid considering all the things that have happened to them in that time, which we will go into further detail for. But um, far about four and two after their first six games of this, you and I talked about in our second half preview podcast with Shane Young that this is a stretch if they go six and two, seven and one, it's a very successful stretch. Well, they're they're almost very close to being six and two at this point. You know, they do have two games coming up, back to back on Wednesday and Thursday against the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio. But for now, they do seem like they are on the right track. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was you want to say they're on the right track, but they got pretty lucky. Yes, the Atlanta game, and that would have changed the like tone of this conversation entirely so i guess based on entirely on results you want to say they're on the right track but i really want to see how they do against san antonio because that atlanta game was like some miracle on ice type stuff uh i was there in person for that and i can honestly tell you it was one of the most insane things i've ever seen at a sporting event that i've been to live um We'll we'll get into that in a minute, but they come out of the all-star break. They beat the Golden State Warriors 130-104. The downside in that game is Patrick Beverly only plays in the first quarter. He's then out for the rest of the game, and he's been out every game since with right knee soreness, which has been an ongoing battle for him ever since he had microfracture surgery a couple years ago. So he still has the knee issue, and... Um, I'm kind of sitting here wondering, you know, we're recording this late on Tuesday, March 23rd, and obviously this is going up on the 24th, but with the trade deadline, you know, what, less than 48 hours, we're looking at what, probably like 36 hours now uh, to the trade deadline. Um, The biggest thing for the Clippers is they need Patrick Beverly healthy. And if he's not going to get healthy, I don't know what they're going to explore on the trade market. Um, you know, there's rumblings of things, but we got to see what it is, uh, at the end of the day, what moves they do make or don't make, I guess, but the Beverly injury is an impact to the team. And you kind of felt that the next game, because, you know, they had two days off, they went to new Orleans, but they play the Pelicans and they just get hammered. Like, like they were never in that game. It was bad. Um, but even worse in that game was that Sergi Baca only plays the first quarter himself, and he's out for the rest of the game with lower back tightness, and he has not played in any of the games since then. So you're talking in the last eight days, the Clippers, for the four games since the, the Sergi Baca injury happened, 
they've not had two of their five starters. And those are the types of things, like we talked about it, like the second half of the season, especially early on with the schedule, that's when they can make their run. Well, they need to stay healthy for that, and they're not healthy right now. Yeah, the thing with this team is it's starting to feel like they're just never going to be healthy. It's one of those things where you watch like the Lob City Clippers or the the Charles Barkley Rockets where it's like in theory on paper it's like oh damn they they have the best you know rating with the starting lineup and this and that and they're going to be phenomenal and then they just never stay healthy i mean pats missed but over like 40 games in two seasons now at this point so you it, it starts becoming a thing where it's a realistic question of is this what the situation is and you have to start asking difficult questions on how much of this can we deal with? Because that little record they have when Patrick Beverly is healthy and when he's not healthy, and it's such a big disparity between success for them. And he misses so many games. You can't let that be the narrative anymore. Like at that point, you have to make a real judgment call on how many games is he going to be available and what do you do to replace that? And that's I'm assuming that's why all you ever hear from them is point guard talk right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pat has only played. So in 2018-19, the year that they make the playoffs is the Cinderella story. Pat plays 78 games. And that's that's after a year he only played 11 for the Clippers and he has microfracture surgery. And then, you know, he comes back, he plays 78 games. But since then, he's only if you're just looking at just regular season, he's only played in 80 of the 116. And... That like if you're missing if if you're missing a third of the games that you're that you could play, that hurts because now you're talking potentially long stretches without a very impactful guy, which is exactly what's happened to the Clippers. But before we get into like what they could do, the, the, the interesting thing is they come back from those first two games after the All Star break. You know the win and the loss. Now they're without Serge and Pat, and they go into that game in Dallas, the first of two games in Dallas, and you're just like, man, I don't know how they're going to get a win here. And they do. The first game in Dallas, they look good, and they beat Dallas. They beat Dallas by 10. But they come back the next night against Dallas, and Dallas makes some tough threes. You know, the, the Clippers get in the paint. They have, they have 30 rim attempts, only three personal fouls. Paul George gets fined because of comments about the officials after the game. Um, they end up losing that game by 16. So they split the two games in Dallas, and now they're 2-2 two and two after the All-Star break, and it's kind of looking wonky. But they come back home to play Charlotte. They throttle Charlotte. And then they played the Atlanta Hawks. And I guess that's the game we can spend the most time on. It's the most recent game. It's the most interesting game. It's out of the six games we've seen. It's the most interesting one, right? Uh, yeah, it's definitely the most interesting. I'd, I'd say the Dallas one is the most important though. Which the one? The first Dallas one. Okay. Because that's when, if you had lost that, you'd have started getting into losing territory of post all-star break. You'd, you'd start going like what? Two and three at that point or no. You would have been one and two. One and two. And you're looking at possibly one and three. And that was going to be like, yeah, that's where it was. I think that's the most important one, but the Atlanta one is the most interesting one. So I don't even know how to recap this. Like the Clippers start the game actually okay. They start out up 21 to 11. You know, Marcus Morris Sr. is making threes. The Clippers are getting dunks. They look great. 
And then I don't know what the hell happened. They just couldn't defend Trey Young anymore. John Collins got whatever he wanted. And you blinked, and all of a sudden, you know, you're down 15 at the half, and you're lucky to be down 15 at the half. Um, you're down. Ty Lue takes a timeout 30 seconds into the third quarter because he's pissed about uh, what just transpired in the, you know, coming out of the break. Um, 6.29 to go. You're down by 21. And I, I, where I'm sitting, I sit behind the Clipper bench. So I have a really good view of like the interactions the whole time. And he just like looks at the starters. He talks to him and he just has all the bench guys check in all the bench guys start sitting. I was sitting there watching and I saw Luke Kennard take off his warmup Jersey or warmup shirt. And I went, Oh my God, he's actually going to play. And then I noticed who else was checking in and it was Amir coffee and Patrick Patterson and Terrence Mann and Nicholas Batum. And then like it dawns on you, like he's, he's benching the starters. Like he's that pissed. And to be honest, I don't blame it. The starters were playing with no energy. They look, they look slow. They look like they just didn't have it with them. And then that lineup, that bench lineup proceeds to do one of the most insane things I've ever seen. So when that bench lineup comes in, they're down 21 with six and a half to go. Well, 4.15 to go in the third quarter. They're still down by 22. They ended the third quarter down by eight. I, I, I couldn't believe it. The shot Luke Kennard hits, the buzzer beater three, where he Euro steps at half court and, and just banks it in is one of the most insane shots I've ever seen. Yeah, actually, I screamed out loud. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I, I, I definitely yelled out loud, and people in the house were like, why are you yelling? I was like, you don't understand. And then I just, the whole time, I just haven't, I kept having to explain to my girlfriend. I was like, you don't understand. This is, this is like, this is very bizarre. This does not happen. Oddly enough, I was able to keep my composure in person. But when he hit that, I just, I let out the slightest of like, ha ha. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like that weird, like, holy shit, this actually happened. And that's when I realized they had a chance. Like when he hit that, I was like, they really actually have a chance in this game. Cause, cause you knew Ty was going to bring back in Kawhi and PG, which he did around like seven, seven minutes to go in the fourth. I believe he brings them back and they just, they steamroll. Like you had a Patrick Patterson put back dunk. You had Terrence man making sure. Patterson put back dunk kind of didn't get enough attention because Luke and Terrence, you know, we're going off for like, that was, that was not like, that was a wild Patrick Patterson put back. So I just completed the video breakdown of that game. I have it ready to go and I'm posting it tomorrow. Or I guess when people hear this, it's already posted. Um, on that play, one of the interesting things the Clippers did is they started running up to set screens, right? Like, like the, like Terrence Mann or Luke Kennard would run up to set a screen and they would always slip it. So they would always just slip the screen and because Atlanta likes a switch and, and the best way to beat a switch is with a slip of a screen, it causes all sorts of chaos. Um, well, Patterson comes up to set the screen and he slips it and Kennard hits coffee in the wing for a three. And when he slips it, what ended up happening is Rondo got switched onto Patterson and just couldn't box him out. So Patterson had a free lane right to the rim and just beats Gallinari for the rebound and just slammed it. And I remember just watching that going, I cannot believe this was something I just witnessed. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I popped off pretty hard for that than I thought I would. And I was kind of bummed nobody really, no one really brought it up. And actually, uh, Gallinari got hurt in that third quarter too. 
he bumped knees with Terrence Mann and then got hurt, and that's why he didn't play in the fourth. Hmm. Uh, oh, also, Patrick Patterson hit a huge three, which was, like, wild. Um because the previous game that he played, he couldn't hit anything and like killed the Clippers against, um, I think the Dallas game. Well, he was actually Dallas killing game. them in the first half though too, because like they kept putting like he that John Collins was just destroying him. Yeah, I don't know what the hell I, that third quarter. I don't know if the only thing I could really like point to happened. Like the reason it's obviously like Luke Kennard made everything. Terrence Mann was amazing. Blah 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 blah. But on the Atlanta side of things, I literally think they just saw the lineup come on the floor and just went like, yeah, okay, and just kind of like didn't didn't keep trying. Well, they kind of did that against the Lakers. I mean, they the, they should have blown out the Lakers by like 20-something points like the Pelicans did, and then they let the Lakers get it close again. Yeah, I mean, that's you cannot let teams hang around. Teams that shouldn't be allowed to hang around, if you let them hang around, they'll come up in the, and they'll kill you. And the Clippers did that. Like, the Clippers had no business winning this game. And you go down the stretch of this game, and Ty does something very interesting. He rewards the guys who are playing well. So when he brings back in Kawhi and PG around the seven-minute mark, he takes out uh, Patterson and Coffey, I believe. Yeah. And he ends up rolling with that lineup for a while. And, and he then, takes he, out en- at one and then point. he takes out Batum for Marcus. And basically you have Marcus playing the five with Kawhi, PG, and then Terrence and Luke. But the weirdest thing is he uses Terrence like a role center. So like Terrence was setting screens and slipping screens and making decisions that Ibaka and Zubats have made during the season. And all of a sudden he's just killing. Like there was one play where he gets the ball at the free throw line after slipping a screen and John Collins is way too upright because he, he wants to, he wants to stunt and dig back to Kawhi on the wing. And Terrence just reads that and just goes steps right around him for a layup. And you're just like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, Terrence, it's tough because like Luke deserves to be playing, but Terrence also deserves to be playing. So then it becomes a matter of who do you take out between Reggie and Lou. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So if you really want me to get serious on this for a second, I think the guy who should be out is Lou. Give me the, give me the reasons. I love Lou for everything he's done for the team since he's been here. 
Let me preface um, this, by the way, by saying I don't want no beef with Lou because he already quote tweeted me earlier this year. Well, everyone has, was asleep. He has me blocked on Twitter and has had me blocked for several years, so I might be safe. He, he, quote, he quote, did I tell you about this? No. He quote tweeted me at like three in the morning after they beat the Heat. The, 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 the Heat game when Jimmy Butler was playing. Oh, the one in L.A. Yeah, like, and you know how for the injury reports, I always say like, hi, hello, blah, 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 it's injured, have a nice day. Yeah. So then, like, I was always doing that for like the last year or so, and then fans would get mad at me when like, when like Kawhi and PG and all these guys are hurt. They're like, what do you mean have a nice day? How can I have a nice day? So then I like ended it with like, try to have a nice day. And then for some reason, like four in the morning after that game, Lou quote tweets, quote tweets me and he's like, you with us or not? And I was like, wait, what? Like, of all the things to get mad at me about, it was the injury report. And then like, I like responded and I was like, uh, I don't really know. Like, this is something I've been doing for years. Like, this ain't anything new. And then like all his mentions were like, I think you got this one twisted. Like, I don't know why you'd be mad at him. And then he ended up deleting it before any of you guys woke up. Oh, that's interesting. I yeah, I completely missed that. It's um, very random. No, like literally, no one saw it. So, the thing, like the argument, really is between Reggie and Lou. And the only reason I'm saying Lou is I think Reggie offers more in the pace department, and you don't lose much at all in the shooting department on catch and shoot threes. Um, Lou is obviously craftier at getting to the rim. Um, I think Reggie gives them that pace, that little jolt where he can go end to end. And sometimes you need that. And even if he misses, like sometimes you just need the threat of that. Like the reason the Clippers came back in this game is partially because Kennard and man pushed the tempo. Yeah. They ran, they just ran up the floor and they made things happen against a scrambling defense. Man just kept running in there, which nobody on the team seems to want to do. Well, then like Luke, Luke has a very patented thing that he does, which is like when he gets the ball and he pushes in transition, when he gets about two steps above the three-point line, he'll look back to see who's trailing, and then he'll pull up a, a three. The reason he does this, and this is just my hypothesis on this and assumption, is by looking back, it freezes the defense to make them think you're passing so they don't actually like contest what you're doing. They sag off and you're able to get the shot off. And it's just something he's done at a high rate. And like, I just think, I think he's just got to play. Like we've talked about it before. Like, I just think he has to play because you're talking about a guy who is a, a, a great shooter, not a very good shooter, a great shooter, who's a good playmaker, a great second side ball handler, a guy who can, who makes good passes, good reads. Um, when the ball's in his hands as a playmaker, I don't worry. Like I, I know he's making a solid decision. So I feel like that's something they need to use more of with Terrence. His athleticism is a big reason he plays His hustles, a big reason he plays the thing that he and Kennard do better than anyone on the team, bar none, is when they grab a rebound on the defensive glass, they immediately push it up. There's no walking up the court. So the thing with Lou that I, that's interesting to me is he went from averaging 5.2 free throws a game to 2.8. And granted, his minutes are down six minutes. So Almost seven I, now that I look at it, damn. 
Yeah, so what I'm curious is what has made his free throws go down because when you look at his free throw attempts, he has never shot this low since his sophomore year. And even though his minutes are down, he's played, I mean... Even if you just look at free throw rate, it is the lowest free throw rate he's had in a season since 2012-13 when he was 26 years old with Atlanta. You mean, wait, 2012-13? Yeah, free throw rate in terms of... Oh, yeah, I was looking at free throw attempts. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's number of free free throw rates, number of free throw attempts per field goal attempt. It's the lowest rate he's had in a season since 2012-13, and it's the third lowest of his career. So what do you attribute that to? Because I think part of the Clippers' inability to get to the line other than them just shooting a bunch of jumpers, is that's part of it too. Um, It could be just that he's just not drawing fouls. He just doesn't go into the lane as much. He doesn't play as much. So, But, you know, free, free throw rate is adjusted for, you know, like there's no minute requirement for that. Um, it, it could just be he's older. He doesn't want to take the contact. Now, I don't know. I mean, it could be that, but I'm just hypothesizing here. Like maybe he just wants to shoot threes more. I mean, he's been good at shooting threes this season, especially catching shoots. Um, I don't know. I, maybe he's saving it for the playoffs when he can drive more. Like, I mean, yeah, I remember it's a, it's a shortened season. Guys get worn out faster, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, I don't know. It could be a lot of factors. It could be just that he's not having um, like the ball's not in his hands to be a driver as much this year as like years past. They're not running like Lou Williams pick and rolls like a crap ton anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're not running those at all. It feels like. Yeah. I mean, they run it. They ran it with Zoo for a little while, but. You know, which is another reason why um, and I apologize if Lou Williams, if you if you hear this, I'm I'm not saying I want them to trade you. I'm just saying it's a reason I could see them doing it is they're not running the things that Lou likes to run all the time. So I could see that being a reason they move him. But also he's a he's a great locker room guy. Everyone loves him in the locker room. You know, I don't think he gives a crap about how many minutes he plays as long as the team's winning. He was one of the guys cheering the team on the loudest last night or Monday night in Staples Center. So, like, I, I, I kind of think that like guys like him and Marcus, like the veteran guys, they're there to win. Like, they don't care about their minutes as long as they win. So maybe lose okay. Like, hey, for a couple weeks, Luke. Luke Kennard can play more minutes and, you know, Terrence can take my minutes and et cetera, et cetera. Do you think, uh, think when Serge comes back, he's keep, he stays the starter or they finally yep. just keep zooing. Yep. They, they keep Serge starting. But what would you want? Well, what I want don't matter. I've learned that a long time ago. Um, if you're asking me what, I, what I think would make the most sense, um, Personally, I, I buy either argument. I can see why Serge should continue starting, and I see why Zoo should be the starter. Um, I genuinely am fine with Serge starting. I think the threat of him as a shooter, whether or not people think he's a good shooter, really doesn't matter because other teams defend him like he is. And he's been a solid enough shooter this year. 35% from three for a center on three attempts a game is is not anything to scoff at. Like, that's a quality number. Um, 
I think he starts because of the spacing he provides both PG and Kawhi with with the fact that he can space it out and they they're able to kind of drive a little bit more with him in there. So I mean, that's going to be the interesting thing is when he comes back because he just downgraded entirely, and I'm sure I can ask, but I kind of just leave it alone a lot of times when it's unless it's one of the you know the big heads of the snake like Kawhi or Paul George. Yeah, so the weird thing with Serge for people who haven't been paying attention is like he gets injured in the game, uh, the second game after the All-Star break against New Orleans. Uh, Only plays in the first quarter. He's out for the next three quarters. Like I said, lower back tightness. And then he's questionable for the next night against the Mavericks. And 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 then he's ruled out. And then he's questionable against Dallas the next game. And then he's ruled out the day of. And then all of a sudden they just start ruling them out like the day before the games. Now he's just out. So you're looking at a guy who went from questionable 50, 50, you know, talking what almost 10 days ago now to now he's just outright out right before like the day before the games. It's yeah, a very, well, like, you, you don't see that often. And he's out and he's not even going to be on the road trip this time too. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I, this sounds insane to say I could see Pat coming back before Serge because Pat was actually at the arena the last two games. I mean, Pat should come. I mean, who Pat went out first, right? Pat should come back. First. He goes out. A, he went out a couple days sooner, but it, like he, it's another knee injury for him. So you figure that's going to take longer. But in theory, it's not. He'll be back before Serge. And I, I mean, I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he does. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they just need Surge healthy for the postseason. I, I also think it could be a thing where they're just like, all right, we beat Dallas without him the first time. We don't need him the second night. All right, we beat Charlotte. We don't need to rush him back for Atlanta. All right, we beat Atlanta. We don't need to rush him back for the Spurs games. So like you're basically buying him extra days to, because you know you're going to need him two months from now. I mean, they're going to need him in like three games when it starts getting really tough. In theory, but the Sixers probably don't have Embiid that night. I mean, they don't, but after that, I mean, that game was supposed to be tough, but they lost Embiid. But even after that, that whole stretch is like pretty brutal. It's a weird stretch now, though. So it's like that's that's the stretch where they I'm assuming they probably get those guys back. Is that uh like where it's like Bucks here, let me look. It's it's Sixers, Bucks, Magic, Nuggets, Lakers who might be without LeBron and A D. Who will be without them. Well, they'll be without LeBron. Um A D was doing court work and he's being reevaluated Friday. Personally, I don't think he's coming back till the end of April. But that's yeah, just didn't me. they say like three to four weeks or something? Like that's yeah, but he's he'll be reevaluated Friday, so we'll see. And then Blazers, and then Suns, and, so the then, Suns, it's like, and then it chills out. The Suns game on the eighth is uh, possibly the most important game of that stretch. Yeah, it's funny because going into the All Star break, I was like, "Holy crap, that's a hard stretch!" And then now it's like, "Well, the Lakers won't have these guys. Sixers won't have Embiid, but they're still pretty good. They're still tough, Embiid. yeah." I could easily see the Clippers lose even if they weren't playing Embiid because Doc Rivers is going to want to uh, destroy 
Tobias has been amazing for them. They're gonna Doc is that is a revenge game for Doc Rivers. I mean, depending on Embiid's health, they might miss him in both mate uh, both meetings because they play again April sixteenth, and there's a chance depending on if the Sixers decide to be cautious with him to just you know kind of take their time. Yeah, I mean, anyways, that's no getting problem with that. Yeah, that's getting. Well, I would like to see MB. I would like to see everybody healthy. I, injuries are driving me insane this year. Um, but yeah, so up next for the Clippers, Spurs, and then Spurs again on Thursday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Spurs, Spurs. Um, double the Spurs, double the player. Um, yeah, so look, if they win those two games, and the Spurs are not an easy team to play. Uh, they're young. They're hungry. Uh, DeMar DeRozan's really good. They might make a trade in between then too and be missing guys as well. Yeah, so the, the, the untalked about thing is Thursday's the trade deadline. So there's a chance on Thursday, or even tomorrow or today, I guess, when people hear this Wednesday, that if there's a trade Wednesday or Thursday, the Clippers are going to be without some players, or maybe the Spurs acquire somebody and vice versa. So those meetings might be a little bit different depending on what happens. But um, yeah, those are going to be two interesting matches. The Clippers walk out with two wins. You're looking at six and two to start the second half of the year before the nine game homestand. And all of a sudden, you know, they're, th- they're 30 and 16 and looking a lot better than they were, you know, like seven days ago. Yeah, I think they split the Spurs game. Maybe. I don't know. I do like the fact that Kawhi's playing back to backs and looks amazing in them. He does, but Patty Mills, just something tells me Patty Mills is going to get Patty, 30. Patty goddamn Mills, In man. one of those games, Patty Mills is going to get 30. And I'm I'm sure in one of those games, I'm just going to be shaking my head and be like, what the F? This dude just hit like nine threes, like F off. And like, just just a feeling. We're going to get like a DeJounte Murray, like 40 burger or something. By the way, DeJounte is an incredible defender. Um, uh, Do you have the hot take of the week? I mean, I guess I said it on Twitter. I thought Snyder Cut was like a 6 out of 10. Okay, so my hot take of the week is related, and you're not going to like it. It's probably something about the Dark Knight or something. No. Snyder Cut is a top three superhero movie of all time. I mean, I don't know if that's a hot take, because like every Snyder fan online is like, like, I don't. They're just losing their mind over it. I'm not a Snyder fan. I I have no allegiance in this. I'm not like a fanboy or anything. To me, it is a top three superhero movie of all time, behind um, Infinity in no order, Infinity War and uh, Winter Soldier. That's awful. My my girlfriend was watching it, and she she never saw the original one. She's like, I don't understand why people like this. This is just bad. It's like all slow motion and corny. The thing is. That movie sets them up for so much, and I can't wait to see how they screw it up, is my official opinion. Well, they're not even touching it. What do you mean? They they said they're they're moving past that. They're not going to do, like, a sequel to that? Nope. That's why everybody on Twitter keeps saying restore the Snyderverse, because Warner Brothers said they're not touching it. Well, That's that like the sucks. new hashtag that like they're like losing their minds over is restore the Snyderverse. Well, that blows. I mean, that's. <laughs> I think they just want to move past it. I mean, to be honest, uh, like, how do you have a movie that introduces like five heroes, three villains, um, like a Infinity Gauntlet type weapon, like two arcs, like it's just. 
they they needed to set it all that up going into that movie. It's just it's just dumb. They they I I don't think personally I don't think they thought like oh people are going to be clamoring to see a cyborg movie like you know what I mean. I I mean not to be a jerk but like I could not stand Ray Fisher's acting in that movie at all. Oh, see, I thought he was great. I thought he was the worst part of that movie, like easily combined that and the replaying of Wonder Woman's music every single time she did anything where it was like, dude, like you've played this song like eight times in a four hour span. Like it's very corny at this point. I just realized we might have given away some spoilers, so I apologize to people. Um, Farbar, you got anything? Huh? They've already seen it by now. Yeah, maybe um you got a thing for the good people um let's say to like no it's a very deep thought i was like i don't know why i've been thinking about this recently but i would say when you when just let go of grudges because you could you could go into a grocery store and suddenly not come back home or you can be walking the street like about like a block from my house like years ago when I was a kid like some girl that went to elementary school with me she got hit by a car and passed away just jogging like and I've been thinking about all that stuff recently and it's just like even if you get mad at the team losing you get mad at this or that like life is life is so unexpectedly short I don't think you should have You should be able to let things go and have a good day no matter what. And on that, everyone have a good night and we'll see you all later. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.